The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes of frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction and addicts like myself. Joining us on the show now from Canada, a gambler in recovery, is our friend Sheldon. Sheldon, good morning. How you doing today, pal? Hey, Craig. I'm doing really well, buddy. 6,309 days clean, so. 6,309 days clean. Uh, what is that, uh, 17 years or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 17 plus years. Uh, God bless. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on that. Th- thank you, bud. It, is it, it's funny that you, know, you still count uh, the amount of days. And I wonder if doing that is one of the things that's helped uh, you maintain recovery. One For me, absolutely, Craig. You know what? It is a one-day-at-a-time program, so 6309. I just don't know if I'm going to get a 6310, you know? So when I walked in, I didn't think I could have an hour, let, let alone a day. And um, so one-day-at-a-time program, so I took it literally, and I count by days. Yeah, it's so funny. For people that don't have any connection to addiction, it sounds cliche. Oh, yeah, sure, one day at a time. <laughs> but when you're the guy or gal that's going through it, you're right. Like if someone had said to me, I'm coming up on, you know, five years uh, in a few months, uh, and I hope to yeah. get there, obviously, which, you know, but if you had told me, you know, five years ago before I decided to take recovery seriously and try to fix my life, that I would go four years or three years or two years or a week or a day exactly. and not gamble, I would have told you you were out of your mind. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't yeah. that the truth? So, you know, that one day at a time thing, it works. And if you live it and if you own it, uh, you can get to 17 years or you know, 6,309. <laughs> exactly. Or uh, I got to figure out my days now. I'm going to do, do the math after the show. Uh, uh, you know, I, I even have the hours because only because of a God bless an app. 151,425 hours. <laughs> What's that? It's awesome. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for doing it. I, I want to give people who um, are not familiar with you, didn't hear you when you joined our show uh, a year or so ago, right. uh, your story because – uh, right now, life is good. It sounds great. You know, you haven't gambled in a very, very long time. It's no longer a part of your life, but there was a part of your life where it was everything to you. And I wonder if you could just uh, walk people through you know, your story and you know, what type of gambling you did and how it manifested itself in such a bad way. Absolutely. With pleasure. Uh, first of all, I just want to give a shout out to Dan and, and best wishes to my buddy Dan, who's yes. part of this show, and, and, and just pass those wishes on. Great. Um, yeah, I, I gambled only for 38 years straight. That was mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, so I walked into uh, uh, at 12, 13 years old, playing poker in the back of a barbershop for $5. And the concept of if you lose, they gave you another $5. You'll pay me later. It's okay. Pay me later. And um, that concept worked for me. I, I never, I didn't finish high school because I was in this barbershop every single day playing poker for at those days, $5 at a time. And, um, and one day a, a bookie gentleman sits down to play in this game too. And for those who don't know what a bookie is, a bookie takes bets on sports and I, a sports lover my whole life. And there was a cool thing about it. He gave you a credit line. You didn't have to pay until Tuesday. Right. Wow. Was that a cool deal for me? So I, I started betting on sports. 
at a very young age, uh, and I was um, got into a deep, deep hole as as I went along because when I ran out of that bookie, I met another bookie, and um, I would all you know play one bookie against the other in. And, and I was betting on teams that I couldn't even spell their names. You know? right. And they introduced, introduced Sunday night football. That was a big, massive game for me because if I lost all day Sunday in my NFL football where I would sit down my butt and not move for 12 hours straight. By the way, it's one of the reasons uh, that the NFL started a Sunday night game and knew that it would have immediate popularity was specifically because of gamblers. They knew that... Guys gambled on football all day Saturday in college, all day Sunday on the NFL, and there would be a significant level of interest for gamblers that were either trying to get all their losses back or double up on their wins. And that's why that is the true story. That is why Sunday Night Football began. Yeah, and and it never mattered because even when I won, it wasn't enough. You had to win more. Right. Uh, There was never enough win. The funny thing is when I broke even, I used to be, pardon the expression, peed off. Uh, I wasted all this time and all this thing, and all I did was break even. I'd rather lose. Where's the sense in that? None. There is absolutely no logic to that whatsoever. So did you yeah. did you get to a place over the course of the 38 years? Listen, you obviously had a decent number of wins along the way. You obviously had a significant number of losses. Did you ever get to a place where the losses uh, put you in a bind where you decided to either contemplate or do things that you knew were wrong in an attempt to get money to appease bookies? Well, absolutely. I would put empty envelopes into the ATM machines. I would, I, I, my mother only died nine times. I faked her death nine times to get money from mm-hmm. people to pay for her funeral. But my mom was still alive. Wow. But I went to those extents, uh, lied, cheated, stole. I did it all in, in order to facilitate my gambling career you know and, and then las vegas and, and and the casinos came into play big time and there's no better marketers than the casinos. for sure let me ask you a silly question um you know people ask me a lot and i don't talk about a lot you know the amounts of losses right. or wins and obviously right. i've had seven figure wins i've had seven figure losses uh literally in the, in the span of 24 hours or less that's how ridiculous you know, my gambling was, and I, I don't like to talk about the amounts a lot because in a weird way, it kind of glorifies it. And addiction's not about how much uh, from a financial standpoint. It's more about how much time you're spending than anything else. But I wondered, yeah. when you look back on it, for me, my ego is out of control in that I thought I was the greatest gambler of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering for you, A, did you feel that way? And B, when you do look back on it, were you good at it? Or were you not good at it? Well, first of all, I had an ego that couldn't get into the plane to right. go to Las Vegas. My head was so big. Uh, but they would even fly me on a private jet. where We were six yep. of us. Fly down on a private jet from the East Coast to the West Coast. They're there with the limousine to pick you up. At that time, my wife would travel with us. They'd put your arm around you. Hey, Mr. Zell, how you doing, buddy? You right. know, all that. And they said to my wife, they turned to my wife, your salon is booked, your spa is booked. Uh, and your lunch buffet, everything is booked for you, a special meal. And we get to the hotel. She says, I'm just going to put my clothes away. They go, stop. Don't look after that. We'll take care of that. <laughs> you just go to your appointments. And then, hey, Sheldon, we just need you over here on the left side here to sign a few things. 
Correct. Well, those are the credit farms and or deposits I was making wow. into the casino it's bank. so funny and you the, say that it, to me. It's, uh, that, I just had like 93 flashbacks. <laughs> you know why you're telling that story? It's, uh, it's What you're saying is dead on accurate where, you know, whether it's Vegas or Florida or Connecticut or PA, wherever I went, right. if I did go with my family, it was a routine where we'd get there, We'd be ushered into like a ridiculous you know, room or suite or whatever, and then I would immediately divorce myself from my family because I got to I had to go take care of things. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right on. And when when the wife came around, all of a sudden the big chips came off the table. Oh uh, yeah. Chips came off the table. The red ones came on because didn't want her to see. I, I told this story I think a few weeks ago where you know there was a casino that literally gave me a seven thirty seven jet. I could have brought 150 people with me. And it was one of the rare times where, you know, family members said to me, all right, hold on a minute. How much do you gamble that they sent a 737, you know, souped up jet to get you to the Bahamas? And I was like, don't worry about it. And yes, there were times I'll never forget where I was at the Borgata in Atlantic City. Yeah. And I had $20,000 chips. And I remember my mom wasn't well. And I brought my, my mom and dad with me. And my dad's never gambled a penny in his life. And my mom, unfortunately, wasn't doing great. And we went there to try to give her, uh, you know, a night that that she might remember and have a good time with. And when my dad came over to where I was, I took those chips off the table and put hundreds on the table. And even at that, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you have $1,000 on the table. I'm like, yeah, I got 250 in my pocket. <laughs> it, it, it's so it's so bang on that there's no relation to money. We have I had no clue or value of $1. I right. was just a valet guy, $100 to park my car, but I'd fight for $0.10 cents on the grapes. It's too expensive to buy that in a grocery store. What do yeah. you mean it's a quarter more for that? You know? <laughs> Yeah. So what was for you after a lifetime of gambling, the ups and downs, the lies, the, you know, the secrets, what was the final kind of, you know, come to Jesus moment? How bad did it get? What was it that was so bad that made you finally get help? Well, funny enough for me, I wasn't at my lowest financial point at the time that I, it was my wife of 26 years saying it's enough. Goodbye. Hmm. Uh, Get out. And, And that's what spurred me to, Start to get recovery. I wasn't. I didn't go to my first gamblers anonymous meeting. I was pushed down the stairs into it, uh, into my first gamblers anonymous meeting. And I actually thought they're going to write me a check and get me a prescription. That they're going to. That's what this group is about. Yeah. Your debts and give you a prescription and you're good to go. Um, it wasn't quite like that. And um, you know, in our meetings in Montreal at the time, um, my sponsor, who's still the same gentleman today, we assign a what we call a temporary sponsor, someone who helps us helps the gambler from the beginning get going. And he opened up this pretend green garbage bag. He says, I want you to throw all your garbage and all your problems in this bag. I'm going to tie it up, and I'm going to put it in that corner of the room. If you don't like what you see here in nine days, come back. I'll give you a full refund. You can take your bag, and you can leave. Well, you know what? I did what he told me. I followed. I did 90 meetings in 90 days like he asked me to. I had the yabut syndrome at first. My first meeting, I lied. They're going around the table, and everybody's giving their how much they have of abstinence. And I went four years. It was my first meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And halfway through that meeting, because there was a smoker's break, one of the guys, the older gentleman, come up to me. I remember Till K was his name. And Till looked at me. He said, can I ask you something? I said, sure, sir. 
He goes, why'd you lie about your date? I go, how did you know? He said, I'm a compulsive gambler, man. I saw it in your face in a second. Right. <laughs> and thank God, you know, because yeah. Uh, well, let me uh, let me let me stop you there uh, for one second. We got to take a quick break, but the story's fascinating and it's real. And this is what gamblers go through. And uh, I'm glad you're sharing it with us. We'll take a quick break and continue on with Sheldon here on Hello, My Name Is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name Is Craig on the Fan with your host Craig Carton and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800 Gambler. Welcome back to Hello, My Name Is Craig. Uh, Dan Trelawney is not with us today. He's taking some personal time. With uh, Epic Risk Management and a key part of the success of this show and all the people that we've been fortunate enough to help. Joining us uh, from Canada is a friend, uh, Sheldon, who, like me, is a gambler in recovery. And you know, it's funny you mentioned having uh, you know, one of the older guys in GA pull you aside and say, man, I know you just lied to us. You know, I hated the first few meetings I went to. I walked out of three of them. Uh, <laughs> and I sat there going, I don't want to tell my story. I don't want to tell my story. And I'm going to make something up because I don't want to tell my story. And it was, there was a specific guy for me, Sheldon, and I think you've probably experienced this a little bit at least, if not a lot, where there was an older man probably in his late 60s, and he hadn't gambled for over 20 years, Mm -hmm. and he never missed a meeting. And uh, I remember listening to uh, him kind of give his testimony, if you will, and I went up to him during one of the breaks of the meeting. And I said, man, you haven't gambled in like, you know, 20-plus years. You've clearly got this figured out. Why are you here? And he looked me dead in the eye, recognizing that I was new and wasn't ever anywhere close to being in a good place. And he said, the reason I made it 20 years is because I do come here every week. Exactly. And that that meant something to me. That kind of connected with me in a manner that nothing else prior to that had connected as far as GA goes that I convinced myself that there must be something so special and magical about what happens in this room and the men and women that come into the room that I'm not going to be the jackass that doesn't want to be a part of that. And, and that really exactly. started me off on my journey, to be fair. Well, which, which is just awesome because Sheldon's way never worked. Obviously, Craig's way never worked. Right, so why not right. give GA's way a, a chance? And... Um, Thank God it has worked. He's still my sponsor today, the same gentleman. I was the best man at his wedding. It's wow. like some really cool stuff happened. Um, but you know what? You got to give back also. And that's by giving back, by doing something like this, going to speak at a school, going to speak at a prison, going to talk. You know, right now, kids, it's just a disaster out there right now yep. with the online gambling and, and the electronics. Uh, I don't know if you heard the stat last week of 4.7 billion was bet in 2020 and 57 billion was bet in 2021 in the United States of America. Yeah, and it's going to reach 100 billion in the next 18 months. And, and it's just we unfortunately, as low as seven years old, I've I've met somebody our really? family from seven years old because he has a telephone. Yep, and found mommy's credit card. Wow, I, that that I, that's tough to process. That a seven-year-old was gambling online. It, it you know loved his hockey team in the, in you know Springfield in the north in Canada. He loved his hockey, and that's what he did. He picked his, the favorite team, and he was betting on his favorite. Wow. Team. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about you know one aspect of this that I found now is I've now kind of transitioned in, in my continued recovery as more of a, an advisor to young men more often than not, that come to me because they know my radio show or they know my story and or through Danny, they connect with me you know, directly. 
And I and it's funny. Uh, there's a one young man in particular who uh, I've talked to probably 50 times, and he has stopped and started, stopped and started so many times where I got frustrated. Uh, right. And it and it, I found myself in a weird spot where I finally understood what the people in my life went through. Because here I am, a guy that's lived it. I've been fortunate and blessed enough to come out the other side, and I have a life worth living, and I'm repairing relationships, and I'm successful again at my chosen craft. And I found myself, like, beating my head against the wall because this kid, you know, says all the right things about his desire to stop, but he never stops. Right. Never wanted to do the work. Right. And one of the things that I came to terms with in that, which I, I share publicly now, the reality is that, there's not a single individual on the planet that any of us are ever going to meet that's got the magic pill that's going to get you to stop gambling. You have to decide for yourself that you want to stop, and then there's thousands of people that will be there for you to support you through that journey. But if you don't want to stop, if you're not willing to stop, if you're not honest about having a problem and you're not ready to take that first step, there's nothing I can do to make you. Exactly right on. And you know what? Today, we're fortunate. I think COVID did me a favor. I've met so many people in GA meetings from all over the world now, and some of them have become really nice friends. Uh, and it's a pretty amazing thing. I was going to this meeting on the West Coast every week for almost two years, and then he said, you know what? I'm jumping on a plane. And I went out there, and I met everybody, and it was like I knew everybody for 20 years, the hugs, wow. the love. Uh, I used to travel a lot for business, and you know what? I always made sure I saw where is a meeting happening, where is it happening, right. and even overseas in Taiwan and China, Philippines, I would go to a meeting because it's a worldwide problem. It's not exclusive. This is not an exclusive club. And the best part, Craig, there's no graduation because if I graduated from this program, I'd be screwed. <laughs> right. No, no, I'm with you on that. It's a, it's a lifetime thing. But the, the greatest thing is, and I hear it in your voice, like you're happy, you're in a good place. You know, you, you like the role you play now in counseling other gamblers, and you're able to look back, and this is a big thing for me, There's I'm able to look back on not everything, of course, you know, because I did, you know, forfeit my freedom for a period of time. Absolutely. But I am able to look back on some of the knuckleheaded things I did and laugh at them. You know, yep. and it's a part of my life story, uh, but I'm no longer ashamed of them. It's a part of who I am. I own it. I know exactly. full well that there are people in the world that will always see me as a degenerate, their word, not mine, as a felon, their word, not mine, and all the other negative things that come in between it. And I'm all right with it, you know, because exactly. I know who I am. I, I, you can put a sign up in La, at LaGuardia now. Sheldon is a compulsive gambler in recovery. Because everybody I knew I was a compulsive gambler. Right. So I'd rather be, go put the sign up there. I couldn't care less today. Yeah. You know, so it's a pretty amazing journey. But I have one other part of my story that's unique a uh, little bit. My daughter is 13 years clean from gambling. Wow. And so I wear three hats. I wear a daddy hat, a GA hat, and what we call a gammonon hat, which is for the friends and family of the compulsive gambler to learn uh, the behaviors of uh, of addiction. Because... They don't know. They just say, why don't you stop? Because we can't. How hard was it for you as a guy that had lived the life and had bettered himself to then see your daughter go through it? You know, I had to use the tools that was given to me. My daughter committed a fraud, uh, a six-figure fraud. And 
made a deal with the they didn't get prosecutor, but they made a 30-year deal payback. I sat back and I watched for two years her make her payments every month on time for two years straight, which for a gambler who procrastinates is very unusual. But so she was committed to the program. And after those two years, then I stepped in and talked to the gentleman and we we closed the matter a little earlier and a lot better and easier. Sure. But only after I watched her learn and know she was ready. For so the do program. you do you get I in a way that's kind of like tough love, but for you as a guy who understood exactly what she thought, felt and processed, you knew that if you didn't see her do it for a certain period of time that she wasn't true to the recovery and then maybe didn't deserve the opportunity to you know, pay it off without worrying about yo know, Criminal prosecution. Exactly, Craig. You know, um, and before I forget, I want to do one thing. Mm -hmm. I want to send my five-year coin to you. Oh, please. Wow. That I want to do. You've made (laughs) mile steps helping people and passing it forward and paying it forward to me. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but I'm going to send my five-year coin for you and, and, uh, and that paying it forward. Well, it would be an honor to receive it, and uh, and I appreciate that very gracious offer. Uh, it really does mean the world to me because I look at people like you as the inspiration that I know I can get there. And, you know, I, I told this story the other day. I spoke to a bunch of kids at Fordham College here uh, in the Bronx in New York. Right. And I, I made a point to them, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, as we're speaking, I'm taking it out of my pocket, where, you know, I'm blessed now. Like, I'm back on the radio. I'm on TV I'm, uh, I'm fixing things. I feel like I'm in a really good place. But I every time I walk out of my house, and I'm looking at it right now, I have my United States Department of Justice Federal Bureau of Prisons uh, inmate card, my ID. And I keep it with me, and it's worn and weathered, and the numbers are starting to fade, and my picture's starting to fade. But I keep it with me because it keeps me humble. Uh, It reminds me of where I could go again and where I was because I was being a knucklehead. And I will keep this with me for the rest of my life. So being able to put a a five-year coin with it would mean a lot to me, and I really do appreciate that. Well, that will be forwarded after the show with pleasure towards you, towards your five years. And and that's what this whole program is. Yes. It's uh, paying it forward and being there for other people who are walking in the same footsteps we've walked in. Because we have a life experience uh, that they need to hear about because it'll encourage them and give them the knowledge that they can do it also. Which brings me to the last thing I do want to hear from you. And that is, yeah. you know, there are so many kids right now, and I say kids, young adults, who are now faced with the reality that they got a problem. And they're going to come to terms with having a problem. And I'm wondering if I could lean on your sage advice. What do you say to those people who are at step one, and the walls are caving in, and there's financial problems, and you know, uh, marital problems, and family problems, and all that stuff. What do you say to that person walking into their first GA meeting, and what's the right advice to give them? Well, when they walk in, first of all, I welcome them with a big smile, not necessarily a, uh, like a laughing or anything, but it's a serious problem. You're in the right place, brother. Sit down, listen. And we'll talk after the meeting. People exchange their phone numbers uh, and then start to work to the core of that person's problem by getting together, by sitting down, 
Uh, sometimes it's with the wife. Sometimes it's with the parents of the child. And for them to understand, too, and put in some road uh, and safety nets. In other words, take money out of their control. No more credit cards. No more this. Like, I was given $5 a day when I started in what we call the envelope system. So if I bought a coffee for a dollar, the next day it got topped back up to $5 the envelope. Uh, very humbling experience. And so this is the advice I pass on. Come up with a budget, nothing in your control, no bank accounts, no credit cards, no access to money. Right. Uh, and, and that will help towards your start of recovery to get a little respect for money because when you see where you threw it, it's unbelievable. No doubt about uh, it. I'm living yeah. that right now. Uh, I do not have a credit card. I don't have an Uber account. I don't have access to money. I have no money. Uh, and it is a very, very humbling experience to live life that way, but also one that I think served me well for the rest of my life. So, Sheldon, I always appreciate talking to you, pal. Uh, be well. Pleasure, best man. to your family and to your daughter as well. And I uh, look forward you, to uh, seeing you one day soon. And uh, thank you so much for sharing the story. Thank you, Greg. And you be well. And, again, big hug out to Danny. And, yep. brother, we're looking after you. All right. Have a blessed weekend. Appreciate your time, you, pal. You too, man. Take care. Take care. Bye. Sheldon is a great inspiration for people like me because he has committed uh, a number of years of his life, as he said, more than 6,000 days now to recovery, and he continually pays it forward. And I'm blessed to be uh, in his world and do what he has done, and that is pay it forward and try to help other people out. As always, want to give a shout-out to my main man, Dan Trelaro, and the great job he does at Epic Risk Management. Danny is taking some personal time and will join us again at a show in the future. You got uh, Evan Roberts coming up next and then back on Monday at 2 o'clock right here on The Fan. Appreciate you listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.